0: Now, without faith, it is impossible to please God since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. The author of Hebrews referred to Enoch for his second example of a person who lived by faith. We know very little about Enoch, but what we do know is extraordinary. The entire fifth chapter of Genesis is a genealogy that prepares us to meet another man of faith named Noah. As we read through this genealogy, we get the impression that life seemed to go on fairly normally after the time of Cain and Abel. People were born, got married, had children and died. Then there was Enoch. When Enoch was 365 years old wow he was not there why because god took him away enoch never died he simply went from walking with god in this life to walking with god in eternity that's all we're told the author of hebrews noted that enoch's faith is confidence in god's future was the key to this new reality. Next page. So you never heard, huh? No. Like any good teacher, the writer yes, of Hebrews please. stopped to emphasize his point. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. The church has often stressed the priority of faith over works, and this passage helps us understand why faith takes priority. Without faith, works would never happen. Mm -hmm. There's no motivation to do anything if we don't believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. We live the way we live because we know God exists. We do what we do because we are sure God is there. We live to please God because we believe God will reward those who seek Him. And what reward do we seek? Riches? Fame? No, we want the victory God gave Enoch and the eternity of walking with God. We seek (laughs) God because we want the kinds of rewards only He can give. That's what Paul sought. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Faith opens our understanding to find a different reality in the presence of God. We find everything that's truly important in His presence. Peace, love, joy, hope, and more. Faith. Confidence in who God is and what his coming kingdom has in store for his people Causes us to live our lives now the way we will live one day in heaven A life of victory A faith that pleases God makes us victorious A faith that is confident God exists makes us victorious A faith that knows God will reward our pursuit of Him makes us victorious. Take time this week to read the rest of Hebrews 11. You'll find others who lived with confidence in God's existence, presence, and reward. Life wasn't easy for any of them. In fact, it was very hard for most of them but they confidently endured because they knew their faith in God would give them victory. Whatever difficulty you are facing, you can be victorious in Christ. The men and women in Hebrews 11 walk down the road of difficulty too. Whatever challenges confront you, take courage from the way these people responded in faith. Others have stood confidently in Christ.
1: And so can you. Okay. Amen. Now, notice the bullet points there, uh, the three bullet points. A faith that pleases God makes us what? Victorious. Victorious. A faith that is confident God exists makes us?
0: Victorious.
1: A faith that knows God will reward our pursuit of Him makes us? Victorious. So we know that God is the one who makes us vi- victorious, not we ourselves. But notice, life wasn't easy for any of them. That is those persons who walk with God. In fact, it was very hard for most of them. Okay, so life, Christianity, Christian life is not an easy road. It comes with challenges and difficulties. But they confidently endured because they knew their faith in God would give them what? Victory. 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 They knew that because they believed in God, they listened to God, they followed God, they walked with God, God would give them the victory. And so the challenge then, the last paragraph is whatever difficulty you're facing, you can be victorious in Christ, whatever, and whatever means whatever, okay? It means whatever, it doesn't mean some things, okay? It means whatever, whatever difficulty you're facing, you too can be victorious. And uh, we keep our, our focus on the men and women of Hebrews 11. They walk down the road of difficulty too. And because they did it, they leave an example to show us how we can do it. Many times you want to know how to do things and we look to people. Uh, you, you want to find out how to do this and you Google it, right?
2: Uh-huh.
1: And you see how people on Google, somebody else somewhere does something and you go ahead and, do, and Google it so that you can find out how it's done. Well, the book of Hebrews is just like that. You look at the lives of these people who walk by faith and lived by faith, and you can see how they did it, and give you the courage, the encouragement, that you are able to do it too. So whatever challenges confront you, take courage from the way these people responded in faith. Others stood confidently in Christ, and so can you. Okay, let's look at the page 44 on how we can apply this as we move on. How would you express your faith in God this week? <coughs> Consider the following suggestions. Trust. Take a moment each day to verbally express your trust in God through prayer. Now we trust a lot of things in this life, don't we? When you came in here and you sat down on that chair, did you check the seat it that four legs instead of three? No, no, because you trusted that that chair would hold you up, right? So we place trust in a whole lot of things. You jumped in your vehicle today, you didn't check the hood. did anybody check the hood in that car today? No! You jumped in because you said, this car's going to take me to church, take me where I want to go. You put trust in that vehicle. Okay, so take a moment each day, verbally express your trust in God. Lord, I trust you today. That whatever I'm going to go through, whatever I'm going to encounter today, I'm trusting that you're going to give me the enablement or help me deal with it in whatever way I need to. And then tell God that you will trust Him throughout the day and tell Him how, how, tell Him why you will trust Him. Okay, perhaps He did something extremely different for you the day before. Well, you can use that as an example to tell Him how you will trust Him. And then the second point, read. Read the Old Testament stories of men and women mentioned in Hebrews 11, as we mentioned already. Read about their lives and find out how they express confident trust and faith in God. Consider recording what you learn from each person or write down, take notes of whatever you learn about each person that stood out to you. As you read these stories, something is going to jump out at you. Something is going to stand out that you say, wow, I never saw that before. Oh, I never thought about it like that before. Then you write it down. And then encourage. Even as God uses the lives in Hebrews 11 to encourage us, choose to be an encouragement to someone else. Perhaps you have heard of someone who needs that kind of encouragement. Encourage their faith and trust in Christ by telling them how you trusted Christ in a similar experience. You would probably encounter someone who's going through something and when they tell you what they're going through and you say, yeah, I remember going through that myself. Let me tell you what I did. Okay. And you can share it with them and give them a source of encouragement. And then finally, don't let anyone tell you to jump blindly into any kind of belief. That's not faith. Choose to trust God because of all that he has done for you and for the world around you. That's the informed trust. That leads to a victorious faith. Amen. Amen. So we have uh, some marching orders there. In our victorious faith. So you can't leave here today and be. A loser. God has us, told us how we can live victoriously. Okay now let's go to chapter 5. And that's on page 45 what are some fears first question what are some fears you have outgrown there are some things you used to be afraid of but you outgrew that fear what is it what is it anybody want to oh, share Huh? there was
0: a time in my life i wouldn't get on a plane
1: Flying. Okay. Okay. (laughs) All right. But
0: I don't let it stop me. I don't like it, but I don't let it stop me
1: anymore. Hmm. Okay. Flying. Anybody have any fears of the air, girl? Being alone. Being alone. Okay. Anyone else?
2: Of the water. Because one time I almost drowned, so I was afraid of the water. Afraid of the water. yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. All right, let's look at the uh, Bible Needs Life, page 46. Anybody? You read it,
3: up? Yeah, go ahead. You <laughs> read uh? Okay. <laughs>
0: Just about every trial, child has a primal fear of being abandoned, that their parents will put them down one day and never come back. Mm-hmm. Have ever seen a child cry when his parent's parent walks into another room? The child doesn't understand his dad is just around the corner. Or, you may recall a time as a child when you became separated from your mother in the store. Panic continued to rise until you spotted her. In one sense, we never get over that fear. We don't want to be left alone in our lives. We'll put up with a lot of things, including bad friends and even difficult marriages, just to avoid the painful reality of being alone. Many even carry this fear as followers of Christ. We're not afraid of difficult or even painful experiences, But we are afraid God will lose track of us, or that something will happen to make him abandon us. This is why Romans 8 is such a powerful chapter of the Bible. Paul wrote with such confidence to assure us that nothing, not even death itself, will keep Jesus from being with us. What made Paul so confident? Let's just say we have feel tested this promise of grace.
1: You mm-hmm. have tested mm-hmm. the promise of grace. Now what's the point of our lesson today?
2: Believers have no reason to fear separation from God
1: and His love. Okay. We have no reason, none whatsoever, to fear separation from God and His love. But there are people who do have that fear. Okay, let's look at um, the first uh, passage we have, Romans 8, uh, 31 to 34.
3: What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare his own son, but offered him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation against God's letter? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died. But even more, as being raised, he also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us.
1: Okay, go ahead with the paragraphs.
3: Paul's epistle to the Roman Church is the longest of all his letters. In it, He explained the gospel in a way that's as clear as it is deep. The first seven chapter shows how sin is universal in the world, why that sin is so devastating to our lives, and the futility of our efforts to remove our sin on our own. Throughout Paul pointed to Jesus and showed how salvation come to us by faith in Christ and all He has done for us. As Paul moved to Romans 8, he laid down one truth on top of another regarding the great benefits of receiving because of Christ's saving work for us. We have received His Holy Spirit. We are made fully alive in Christ. We are adopted into His family. We are so coherence with Christ, we have a glorious future ahead of us, we have the Holy Spirit in receiving for us before the Father. As Paul reached the climatic climatic movement in verse thirty-one, he simply asked, what then are we to say about all these things? If God is for us, who is against us? We can't look at the gospel any aspect of the Gospel, and not see that God is for us, and when we understand that God is for us, it doesn't matter who is against us, who is against us, amen. Against us, amen. amen yes. now, under, now, understand how the struggling Christian in room would have heard this news. The early church had always faced difficulties throughout the ancient world and the church of Rome was no exception. Just a few years after receiving this letter from Paul, the Roman Christians experienced a major time of persecution under Emperor Nero. They knew what it was like to feel as if anyone was against them. How wonderful then! to be reminded that God will never abandon his church or leave them be defeated. How can we be sure? Because this is the same God who gave his son for us. And since he was willing to give Jesus for us, why would he hold back anything else? We have a secure standing before God because of the finished work of Christ. Not only that, but Jesus is still awake on our behalf. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. So here we have the answer to Paul's two questions in Romans, in verses 34 and 35. God, the only righteous judge, the only one who can condemn us, does not condemn us. On top of that, he gave his son, for us, our salvation who oh, even now prays for us. That's why it's called The Good News. Paul knew what he was talking about. Although he didn't write this particular letter while in prison, Paul had his share of jail time. He knew difficulty. new time, uh, jail time. He knew different, different?
1: Difficulty. Difficulty. Different
3: he knew oppression. For he also knew God was with him. Everything Paul wrote about in Romans 8, in Romans 8 he had experienced firsthand. The joys that erupted from grace, from these graces are based on realities. Paul had experienced himself from, from his dramatic conversion on the road of Damascus to an earth shaking worship service in the Philippine jail. Father found Christ to be faithful
1: and present through all times. Wow. Okay. So notice the uh, points that he makes there. Uh, On page 42, on page 47. uh, We have received his Holy Spirit. We are made made fully alive, not half dead. Fully alive, you know,
3: in Christ.
1: Well, we've been singing about being a part of the family of God this morning. Yeah. We have been adopted into His family. You know the significance of adoption.
3: Yeah, been You've
1: been chosen. You didn't have to be chosen. You were chosen. The child born in the family, the family didn't have a choice. That child was born into the family. But to be adopted, that's special. Okay, adopted into God's family. And not only that, we are co-heirs with Christ. Do you know what that means? you know what that means? That means inheritance. All you have to say inheritance and people start get all these pictures in their mind, all right? What does inheritance mean? What does it mean? To inherit, um, says what not which born. is that you did not work and earn right to get something that you didn't work for or earn but someone had the good grace to give it to you we are co-heirs with christ something to think about everything that christ owns we are co-heirs with it Mm -hmm. Amen. and then we have a glorious future ahead of us Mm -hmm. not many people can say that what is our glorious future there are people in our world today who are fighting and killing one another for gold. Jesus. Part of our glorious future is we're gonna be, walk go right be walking
3: on it. We're
1: gonna be walking on it. Think about that. That's a part of the glorious future. Part of the glorious future is spending eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. And and, and then and then what about the, the, the rewards? We're gonna get rewards and we're not gonna get them to keep them, you know. You know what we're gonna get them for? Yeah. What are we going to get him for? So let speak. To cast him at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ in deep appreciation for all that he has done for us, most significantly dying for us on the cross of Calvary. And so a glorious future ahead of us. And then we have the, the Holy Spirit interceding for us before the Father. That is significant. It means that we have a, an attorney in heaven. Who intercedes on in our behalf? You know, the Bible tells us that the, the accuser, cause the Bible, the accuser of the brethren, all day long is accusing you and me of all kinds of things. You know, we mess up. You know that, right? We're not perfect, and every day we go through our lives, we do something wrong. And and the devil says, "See there? Yeah, I told you, there's no good in him, or no good in us. It's good for nothing." But we have an attorney. We have the Holy Spirit who is intercedes on our behalf. Okay, something to really uh, think about. Okay, Paul had reached a climatic, final paragraph on page 47, as Paul reached the climatic moment of verse 31, he simply asked, what then are we to say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? We can't look at the gospel, any aspect of the gospel, and not see that God is for us. And when we understand that God is for us, it doesn't matter who is against us. Something to think about. Question number two. What helps you know that God is for you?
3: What, the Bible? Bible?
1: what helps like you? Sister
2: the Holy Spirit. It does, the Spirit.
1: Holy Spirit, okay.
2: Like Sister Brenda says, staying in the Word, because sometimes you forget and then you, if you haven't read your Bible for a couple of days and, mm-hmm. you know, practice the presence, then you may forget and you may be to what the devil telling you that you not good and all that, but I think if you stay in, in the Word, you You could probably keep on reading this and remind yourself if you're feeling a little low Mm -hmm. that okay, you know nothing can separate you from God. So you could probably use that in times when you're feeling low. Mm -hmm. Go back to these things and just keep on remembering, remembering, remembering like that. That's right. Fall into something.
1: Mm -hmm. As the paragraph just said, we can't look at the gospel, any aspect of the gospel, and see God is not for us. Mm -hmm.
2: Okay. I, I've been reading um, in my reading through the Bible I'm in I just finished First and Second Chronicles and there you know over and over you see these kings mm-hmm. who did evil in the sight mm-hmm. but you know even then whenever God whenever his people turned back to him or the king on behalf of the people God was right there with them mm-hmm. and he encouraged them so the examples in the Word of God are endless to encourage us, seeing that God is for us.
1: That's right. You can't read the Scriptures without seeing that God is for you all the time. Okay, let's look at uh, uh, the continued verses on page um, Romans eight thirty-four to thirty-one to thirty-four.
3: Now, I understand how the struggling Christians in Rome would have heard this news. The early church had always faced difficulties from the ancient world, and the church of Rome was no exception. Just a few years after receiving this letter from Paul, the Roman Christians experienced a major time of persecution. Can you read that
2: Yeah, we read
1: that already. Let's go to the page. Okay. We'll go to the next
2: page.
1: Next page. Page.
2: 49. 49. Oh, sorry. That's okay.
1: Page 49. Oh, my God. This is for you. You is yeah, page 49, uh, Romans eight thirty-five sure. to 39.
0: Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, because of you we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul was always a realist. He had suffered for his ministry and he would suffer again. The church knew and continues to know periods of difficulty, persecution, and suffering. Because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. While this is true, something else is more true. Christ is present in it all. Not only is Christ present, but it's also important to remember that nothing anywhere or in any way could ever change our status and pull us away from the embrace of Christ. Go ahead and make a list. Put down everything and everyone you think could pull someone away from Christ. Would persecution do it? Could the political powers put you in a place where even Jesus couldn't get to you? No. What about illness? Could pain or suffering blind you to the reality of Christ in your life? No. What about supernatural powers like angels and demons? No. Nothing or no one can pull you away from Jesus. What about death? No, not even death. Long seen as the great thief of meaning and hope in life can pull you away from Christ. He is victorious even over that. What about your own stupidity? Can can you do something so utterly wrong that you become too gross for Jesus to hold? No. The truth remains the same. Nothing can separate you from Christ's love. Uh,
1: Next page. Uh,
0: Oh, but you don't know what I've done. That's the truth. True enough, I don't want to minimize your pain. But know this, nothing you have ever done or ever will do can undo or outdo what Jesus did for us on the cross. Paul made that, made it clear. Nothing is more powerful than Christ, absolutely nothing. What made Paul so confident? Let's just say he found out the hard way. For example, he knew the hardship of unjust imprisonment. Paul also had been ripped five times with 39 lashes. The Romans had beaten him three times. His enemies had stoned him and left him for dead. He faced various dangers from Jews, Gentiles, robbers, and false teachers. He knew hunger, thirst, and inadequate clothing. Yet in all that he endured, Paul had never been separated from Christ's love. In fact, Christ's love does more than just help us endure. His love gives us victory. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Instead of fearing that our hardships might pull us away from Christ and his love for us, We see that these challenges actually pull us closer
2: to Christ. Whatever we face, however threatening it may appear
0: on the surface, aids our growth in Christ. Times are hard. Paul never denied that or downplayed it. But take a moment to let these truths sink in. Christ is praying for you. Nothing can keep us from the love of Christ, who, even now, is interceding for us. Therefore, we can take all the world wants to bring against us. Since God is for us, it really doesn't matter who's against us.
1: Amen.
3: Amen.
1: Since God is for us, Amen. it doesn't matter who is against us. That's a mouthful, isn't it?
2: Yes. So yes. okay. everything you want.
1: That's right. Notice the final paragraph there. Paul knew what he was talking about, although he didn't write this particular letter while in prison. Paul had a share of jail time. He knew difficulty. He knew opposition. But he also knew something else. What did he know? He knew that God was with him, right? Everything Paul wrote in Romans 8. He had experienced firsthand. Nobody told him about it. He experienced it. It wasn't the essay. The joys that erupt from these verses are based on the realities Paul experienced himself from his dramatic conversion on Damascus Road to an earth-shaking worship experience in the Philippian jail. Paul had found Christ to be helpful and present through all that he had encountered. No matter what event you found Christ to be there. Question number three. When have you felt criticized or condemned as a follower of Christ? Anybody ever had an experience like that? You felt criticized or condemned because you followed the Lord Jesus Christ? Probably something someone said, or what someone did.
3: If you, if you uh, talk, talk to me in the place, you can't get jealous. They're so always trying to bring you to <laughs> try to bring it down. Okay. But then you know, like you said, then you know Christ is putting you before it, and then after that, a sin always defined for would mm. Sometimes
2: people will say, um, you know, you, you were Christian, but remember when you did that thing? Mm-hmm. Or whatever, and they know yes. something about mm-hmm. you. Try to bring, bring up, up. your past. <laughs> they you try to say, but oh, you remember you, you mm-hmm. used to, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. go to the club or whatever like that. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> they, they try,
1: the Lord let it go, mm-hmm. but they don't want it. Nope. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, they keep reminding you of your past. <laughs> Someone said, when, they, when the devil reminds you of, the, of your past, you remind them of his future. Yes. <laughs> okay. Let's look then at, uh, uh, we have an exercise there, but we don't have that song, so let's, question number five. How do Paul's assurances in verses 35 to 39 help us find victory over fear? So, so you do
3: number four, yeah,
1: question number Oh, number four. Which, which of the threats described in these verses tend to weaken your sense of security? Paul gave us a whole list here of of threats. Do we experience any of these threats that tend to weaken our sense of security? Look at the list. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As written, because you are being put to death all day long, we are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors to him who loved us. And then he goes to verse 38, he says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate it from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So which of these threats described here and these verses tend to weaken your sense of security. Any of them? Death. Death? Okay. Many people fear the old ogre old death, right? Any others? I guess death is a major one, right? None of these others. Okay. Question number five. How to pause assurances in these verses, 35 to 39, help us find victory over fear. What in this verse gives us that kind of assurance that Paul says that gives you know us victory? God
3: is huh? you know God is He's
2: covered every area, yes. past, present, and future with all of these that he has listed.
1: Okay, he covered everything.
2: And even if the worst thing happens to you, you're still good. Because even if you die, you still live again. So even that, the worst possible thing that can happen is like, that's already covered. So it isn't, it isn't any, it isn't like a person who's a non-believer who, uh, they feel like that's the end of it. they don't mm-hmm. feel like that's the end at all, that's the beginning for us.
1: Yeah. So. Okay. Okay. Last paragraph on page 50. Times are hard. Paul never denies that or downplayed it, but take a moment and let these truths sink in. Christ is praying for you. Nothing can keep us from the love of Christ who even now is interceding for us. Therefore, we can take all the world wants to bring against us. Since God is for us, it really doesn't matter who is against us. Okay. Last point as we wrap up here on page Fifty-two. Live it out. Consider taking one of the following steps this week in response to the truths that uh, the truths that God has revealed to us in one way or another in the lesson today. First one: make a list. Write out a list of obstacles you feel are working against you right now. Consider how God can work in you and strengthen you. Through this time, you may be having a problem with a neighbor or friend or difficulty on the job or whatever. Okay? Put that on your list as an obstacle that you feel is working against you right now and consider how God can work in you to strengthen you through this time based on what we studied here today. And then, secondly, open up. We often allow fear to shame. We often allow fear or shame to close our hearts when it comes to difficult circumstances. Instead, be intentional about sharing your experiences with someone this week. Confess your struggles and actively seek God's love. Okay, in other words, don't keep your problems to yourself. Find someone whom you trust, share it with them. And then thirdly and finally, be bold. Our fears also have a way of preventing us from taking action in Christ. This week, take a bold step to show your faith in the fact that you cannot be separated from God's love. Speak to someone about the Gospel. Make a commitment to a ministry. Give up your resources and so on. Okay, so take a bold step. Do something that you've never been able or done before. Be bold. Finally, you may may have been abandoned or neglected as a child. But you will never be separated from your father as a child of God. Let that truth give you confidence as you live for him this week. So as you go toward this week, remember, no matter what you face or encounter, nothing will separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Amen?
2: Amen.